Hello everybody, it is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate you guys' support on the show. Uh, if you're listening on any audio platform, make t- sure to download. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave it a five star. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to leave it a like. Uh, I started a Clips channel, and so that'll be linked in the description if you want to subscribe to that. So if you don't want to listen to the full podcast, but maybe you just want to hear me talk about a certain uh, topic, that'll be up on there. I've been uploading a ton on there. I've been working really hard. I am a student, so I'm. Uh, that's my main priority right now, but I'm still focused on the show, uh, bringing you guys good content, and just trying to be as consistent as possible right now. And yeah, let's get right into the show. Uh, first, I want to talk about the Game 6 of Nuggets vs. Jazz uh, that happened right after I recorded the last show. This game was insane. Jamal Murray had another phenomenal game. 17 of 14 from the field. Uh, 17 of 24 from the field. 9 of 12 from 3. Uh, I really loved what I saw from him that game. The aggression he was playing with is something that we've seen recently more and more. And it's something I kind of always wanted to see out of him. Because he's always had the talent. But it just seems like sometimes he's way too okay with just kind of like blending into the Nuggets offense where it's uh, super reliant on ball movement and player movement. But sometimes it's just nice to see a player uh, running heavy pick and rolls, running isos, and just getting his own shot, and that's what he's doing. I love what he's doing in the pick and roll with Nikola Jokic. Uh, it's been really impressive just the way he can either like uh, fake going one way and then go the other way and hit the three or just use that screen from Jokic, who's a big body and it's hard to get around uh, to get to the three. Uh, He's been passing well to the pick and roll, getting to the basket well. Uh, That two-man game has just been really impressive. Jokic hasn't been playing great, but he's been playing very solid, uh, playing like the Jokic we've basically seen all year. Uh, Jeremy Grant had another good game for them, but it was just really uh, those two guys stepping up huge. And I've just been so impressed with Jamal Murray. Uh, He's really taken another step this series. Uh, He had a rough game seven, which I'll talk about next. Uh, but the rest of the series, and he's had two other games where he was just solid, but the three games where he really uh, exploded were so impressive. Uh, He joined Jonathan Mitchell with being some of the only players to put up 50 twice in a playoff series. It was just really an incredible series for Jamal Murray. He went up to averaging like 32 points on great efficiency, and just the most impressive thing is that three ball. I love to see how aggressive he's being on the three ball. Like one of the plays, they got a steal, and in transition, he just pulled up, and that was one of the daggers. He's just been so confident. His confidence is through the roof. Uh, he's getting to his uh, his spots in the mid-range. He's just doing really everything for the Nuggets right now. But the way he's just been finessing the pick and roll has been so impressive. And it's so uh, deadly with Murray and Jokic just because they're both so uh, versatile and elite offensively. Especially Jokic because Jokic got the passing as well as being a great scorer. And then Murray is just such an elite scoring threat that it really makes it where you just have to pick your poison uh, when you're 
facing that two-man game and facing that pick and roll or pop especially with the way Jokic is shooting the three ball right now uh he's been shooting three really well this series hopefully he can keep that up because that'll just make that even more deadly because you'll have to worry about Jokic rolling to the basket because even though he's not ve- he's not very athletic at all uh he's such a skilled offensive player especially in the post his post game is so phenomenal uh he's got such so many great moves down there and uh he's got a nice mid-range and his three is on and off but when it's on and when he's hitting when jamal murray is very aggressive getting to his all all spots hitting his mid-ranges attacking the basket getting free throws he got nine free throws uh free throw attempts in this game uh it really just makes out unstoppable there's still some things I'd like to see from Jamal Murray. I'd still like to see the passing, and not even that he needs to be a great passer. Uh, maybe just a little bit of a smart, pa- more smart passer, kind of reading things more before they happen. Because he's kind of a read and react guy, where you'd like to see it be more like we've seen from players like Luca, even players like Devin Booker, who stepped up a ton as a playmaker, where they kind of see things before it happens. Like, there was a play that stood out that could have been bad this game, where he tried to split a double team, but it really just didn't make sense. It would have made way more sense for him to kick it to uh, one of the shooters on the wings. But other than that, he's been so impressive, and he still has things to work on. I just hope I can see the consistency more, because that's kind of always been the thing with Jamal Murray, is that you're worried about his consistency and him just continuing to stay aggressive. So as long as he does that, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see him really emerge into a star. He's looked like a superstar in his playoffs, but uh, just being able to see him even be like an all-star next year, uh, if he could jump to around maybe like 23 to 22 points a game, that'd be great. I could definitely even see him be the leading scorer for this Nuggets team next year. I think this Nuggets team is going to be deadly next year. I expect a big jump from Michael Porter Jr. I really like Michael Porter Jr. I especially expect the jump on the defensive end. He's already a great rebounder. Uh, very solid offensive player. Even though he had a bad offensive game uh, in Game 6. Other than that, he's been great offensively during the bubble. And whenever he really just gets a chance. So, I'm super excited for this Nuggets team's future. Uh, I just think the big move they need to make would be to re-sign Jeremy Grant and let Paul Millsap go. Paul Millsap was super disappointing for them this series. It got to a certain point where he wasn't even playing that much because he just wasn't very impactful when he was on the court. But as long as they can re-sign Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter Jr. uh, continues to develop into the NBA game, uh, continues to get better on the defensive end. This team is uh, still going to be good right now, and then it's going to be so bright in the future. I could see them having three 20-point scores next year, and I just love this team so much, love their future. I really want to see Jamal Murray uh, keep it up. Gary Harris is back and healthy for them, which is nice because even though his offense is pretty poor, he's really fallen off a cliff on offense. He does bring that wing defense that they're really missing, and just that uh, guy who can really lay it all out there on defense and really doesn't need to put his energy into offense. So that's nice for them. Hopefully they can get Will Barton back. Uh, I haven't really heard an update about Will Barton yet, but hopefully they can get him back because he's another good wing defender, a good offensive player. But I like what I saw from the Nuggets this game for sure. Uh, Moving on to Utah's side of game six, Donovan Mitchell had another phenomenal performance. Shot the three ball like crazy, 9 of 13, was getting to his spots in the mid-range, uh, and it was just another back and full fourth duel, which is so much fun to watch. These guys were so much fun to watch the entire series. I really hope to see more and more 
uh, series between these two teams in the future because it was really truly so fun to watch. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray just go back and forth. Both of them were doing very similar things in the pick and roll uh, where they'd both do great at getting threes. They'd kind of do the thing that I've seen uh, a lot more players do recently. It's a move that one of my favorite players, Jason Tatum, uh, does a lot, and I love to see because it's a really effective move, is where you kind of just quickly curl around uh, the screen and get the three off. And it's a really hard move to guard, especially when you got a guy like Donovan Mitchell who's just on fire. He's got a quick release that he gets off with ease. And then when he's just hitting those uh, contested and open shots at a ridiculous rate, it's impossible to stop. He has he really left it all out there the entire series uh, and had one of the most incredible performances that I've ever seen. Uh, it was just truly special to watch the next step he took this series. Uh, just like Jamal Murray, still got things I'd like to see him work on. The playmaking, uh, while, had, while it's come along uh, and it's getting better and better, it's still not where I'd like uh, it to be, especially with the turnovers. Uh, in game seven, he definitely struggled with the turnovers, but he also did uh, in game six. Four turnovers on five assists. Don't like to see that. But uh, he's continuing to pro- improve on that. The scoring is still absolutely incredible. The scoring is really out of this world right now. Love what I've seen from Donovan Mitchell this series. Mike Conley had another good game. Uh, had a bit of a stinker in game seven, kind of like everyone. But other than that, he was really good in this series. Uh, and he was pretty good just uh after the rough start he had to the season so hopefully he can have a bounce back season uh for them next year maybe the time that he got off just allowed him to uh heal for maybe some uh, lasting injuries that he was having or there was something else going on but if we can see the mike conley that we saw for a majority of the series and in the seeding games I think this uh, Jazz team can be really good next year. They're obviously missing Bojan Bogdanovic, who was a huge piece for them this whole year. And the fact that they were still able to compete so well with a Nuggets team, uh, with missing one of their best players, the guy who was averaging 20 for them this year, uh, is really impressive. And I don't really know where this Jazz team goes from here, but they'll definitely continue to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference. Uh, they have most of their team under contract. They'll just need to re-sign Jordan Clarkson, and I'm sure they'll want to because he's been pretty solid for them off the bench. Even though he is Jordan Clarkson, he's going to have some plays that really frustrate you. He's going to have some games where his box score just looks terrible. Like he was 5 of 14, a negative 24 in this game. That's kind of uh, what you take with Jordan Clarkson because you're also going to take the games where he explodes for 25. Uh, uh, just moving on, I'll talk about the Game 7 that happened. So this one was a really, really rough offensive game to watch. I don't know if it was nerves. Uh, I don't know if it was a bit of exhaustion, a bit of fatigue, a bit of both. Because guys like Jamal Murray, uh, after getting hit in the quad, was just seeming to struggle and limp around a bit all game. So hopefully... It's, a, it's pretty tough for the Nuggets because they really don't get much rest just because the series was pushed to seven. Uh, they're playing tomorrow, which is extremely tough for them, but hopefully uh, their guys can get healthy. Uh, first, uh, just talking about the Denver side, uh, Jamal Murray had a, a really rough game. Uh, like I said, he just seemed really tired. Uh, the quad seemed to really be bothering him. He was uh, limping really hard after he got hurt, 
but he stayed in there. He fought. Would you like to see? But hopefully he'll be healthy because it was a it was pretty rough to watch. Uh, he just kind of lost a a bit of a step from uh, limping around and stuff like that, and then he just couldn't get to his spots the way he was. He couldn't get as open on those pick and rolls. It just seemed like he was a step slower on everything. So hopefully that's figured out by next series because he needs to have another huge one uh, to compete with this. Uh, Clippers team because I really do believe in them especially with the momentum they got from beating the Mavericks which was a tough matchup for them uh, other than that Jokic was phenomenal this game uh, proved to everyone like hey I know uh, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell are playing some great basketball right now but I'm still the best player in the series uh, he hit the game ceiling shot hit a massive uh, hook shot over Rudy Gobert hit two of his five threes again has been really efficient on those threes uh, got 14 rebounds got 30 points just played a phenomenal game uh, was putting on a master class in the post hitting his threes hitting his mid-ranges uh, setting good screens it was just a really really impressive game for Jokic wasn't a bit of foul trouble but still was in there when it mattered and was able to close out that game for the Nuggets when it really mattered uh, just a really impressive performance from Jokic another game where Paul Millsap really didn't play much only played 14 minutes it he's definitely on his way out uh, and I expect them to re-sign Jeremy Grant even he had a rough game. It was just overall a rough game. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was good in the minutes he played, but he didn't play that much. They probably just wanted to uh, go the safe route, have guys who are better defensively like Torrey Craig, Gary Harris, uh, and Jeremy Grant just to be safe because you don't want a player like Michael Porter Jr. kind of selling you when it matters by having a defensive lapse, even though he's a very talented offensive player. Uh, the defense is still just something he's going to have to continue to develop. And he just needs more experience, simply enough. Uh, but he was a nice energy player, uh, was great on the boards. He's just so good on the boards, which is something that's really impressive to me. He really gets at it on those. Uh, he gets offensive rebounds very well. He's a great defensive rebounder. Uh, moves off the ball very well. I just really like Michael Porter Jr. and what he adds to this team, especially in the future. Uh, Gary Harris, 1 of 9, 1 of 5 from 3. But again, was playing good defense and adds that wing defense that they really needed. It was just overall a rough game offensively for both teams, as you can see by the final score. Looked like a game straight out of the, the early 2000s, 80 to 78. Uh, the Nuggets only shot 37% from the field and just under 26% from three. It was a really rough offensive game, uh, but they stepped up when it mattered, made some big defensive stops. Uh, Torrey Craig did miss that huge layup, which could have very easily sold them the game, uh, but they did end up winning it, and it was a war. This whole series was a war. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had a pretty rough game, 9 of 22, uh, 2 of 8 from 3. Nine turnovers had that huge turnover at the end, which should have cost them the game like completely. Uh, but Tory Craig did miss that layup. He just had a bunch of really bad turnovers. Uh, he just seemed so tired out there. I really can't blame him that much. It's just hard to have to carry carry such a big load offensively uh, without guys like Bojan Bogdanovich with Rudy Gobert being who he is. Uh, with Mike Conley missing most of the series, and then well, missing like half of the series, and then being pretty bad in Game Seven, it really just seemed like it caught up to Donovan Mitchell. Just all the exhaustion of having to play 
basically every minute and having to uh, play with his full energy in every single minute. Like, he played 42 minutes this game. It just seemed to catch up to him, which was really unfortunate. Like, uh, those turnovers were just rough to watch. Some of them were really bad uh, because he just didn't have that offensive help at all. Like, Rudy Gobert had a good offensive game, but it's not like you're going to give Rudy Gobert the ball in the post to score. It's like he's going to score from just his pick and rolls and stuff. Uh, Mike Conley had his first really bad game uh, of the series at a really bad time, shooting 2 of 13, 1 of 6 from 3. Uh, missed that last three barely. That would have been insane if we got a Game 7 buzzer beater to win by one point in such a close series like this. That would have been incredible, but he missed it. Uh, Jordan Clarkson was decent off the bench, scoring 10 on 4 of 9, but only 1 of 5 from 3. Uh, they just really, without Bogdanovich and with Joe Ingles, uh, seemingly have having to regress the past couple of years. They just really didn't have the offensive firepower uh, to keep up uh, with Donovan Mitchell not being as amazing as he was. So they really need uh, Bojan back. But it was a phenomenal series, a series that we're going to remember for a long time. There's a lot of great series that just get forgotten in time, but I really don't think this will be one of them. We're all going to look back in like a couple years when Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell continue to ascend, continue to be better, maybe if they play in another series, we're going to be like, man, remember the time Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell uh, were top two in threes hit in a series uh, where they both scored 50 points twice, where they were going back and forth and back and forth and just seeming to elevate each other's game every play we're all going to remember the series it was a phenomenal one i loved watching it so much it was so great to see a battle between these two young guys who are really ascending right now and are seeming to take that next step uh donovan mitchell is going to get the max contract extension from the jazz which completely makes sense from both sides and yeah i love this series it was so much fun to watch it was a true battle it's kind of sad to see it be over because it was one of those series where it's like, man, no matter what team wins, you're going to be sad because you're just going to miss this true rivalry that happened. Uh, but the Jazz blew the 3-1 lead, and I really never felt like they were safe in the series even when they had the 3-1 lead. Like, obviously, when you have a 3-1 lead, it's a much higher chance you're going to win the series than you're not. But... Uh, they had those blowouts where it just seemed like Denver just wasn't really there. And then they're obviously missing Bogdanovich, so there just wasn't that offensive help around Donovan Mitchell. And it wasn't still impressive for Denver to come back. They played uh, great with their backs against the wall. Jokic was phenomenal. Murray was great. And, yeah, it was just such a fun series. I love this one so much. And, yeah, I've been talking about this one for a minute because I just love this. It was one of the most entertaining first-round series I've ever personally watched. And, yeah, I loved it so much. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Jazz's future and what they should do from here because uh, their future is something that is very, very, very interesting for me because uh, they kind of remind me of – they're kind of the Indiana Pacers for me of the West where they're a solid team. They're going to be around the – uh, three to six seed every single year but I just don't know how they take that next step they're kind of like the Orlando Magic of the playoffs where they're in the middle and they're good enough to be a good playoff team every year but they don't 
have a young talent on the roster. They're not like the Nuggets where they can look forward to a guy like uh, potentially Bol Bol or a guy like Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and then they don't have the upper tier talent to compete for a championship right now. Also, while not really having assets to make a big move. So their future is something that is incredibly interesting to me. Uh, and I don't really know where they go from here. Uh, Rudy Gobert should be up for a contract soon, and he'll be up for Supermax. Uh, they better not give it to him because that will be a huge mistake. And his whole contract uh, extension situation is incredibly interesting because I have no clue how they're going to value him, how other teams around the league are going to value him, and how he thinks he should be valued. That's all very, very interesting. And you could say, like, oh, try and trade him before his contract's up. But I think he brings the most value to the Jazz where he wouldn't bring that same value to many other teams where you're not going to get an asset that's going to make your team better than have, just having Rudy Gobert on your team. So you're going to get worse. And no matter what, you're still not going to be entitled contention, but you're still not going to be bad where you're going to get some great pick. So you're going to kind of have to hope you make a smart move like you did with the Donovan Mitchell trade where they traded up uh, to 13 to get Donovan Mitchell. You're going to hope, have to hope something like that happens again. You're going to have to hope you're in a, like a nugget situation where maybe a guy falls because of injury, uh, like Michael Porter Jr., like Bol Bol, and you can uh, draft him. He can get healthy, and he can be a star player for you. You're just going to have to hope for something like that because I think this team is good. I think this team is going to be good for years to come, uh, but there's not really any place to go except down or stagnant from here because Rudy Gobert, I don't see him getting any better. At this point, he's not going to add like a jump shot. He's not going to be an elite post player. Uh, I think the only thing they can hope for is internal improvement and having to make really good draft draft selections, and even that's limited uh, due to them missing out on picks due to the Mike Conley trade where they missed out on a guy like Brandon Clark, and then they're going to miss out on their pick next year. So they're going to have to hope to nail it in the draft this year. Uh, They're going to have to hope their front office just makes smart decisions. They uh, got Donovan Mitchell under contract. Uh, Not actually, but both uh, sides have already agreed to the max extension, which is great for them. I expect Donovan Mitchell to take a big step. Uh, Hopefully he can take that Devin Booker step where he's not only improving as a scorer, but he's improving as a playmaker, continuing uh, to get smarter and smarter, just learn the game of basketball more. But I definitely expect him to continue to step up offensively uh, for that three ball to continue to get more efficient and for him to just be a smarter scorer, get to his spots better. Uh, I expect Bojan Bogdanovic to come back and be just as good as he was this year, be around a 20-point-per-game score. But a guy like Joe Ingles has seemed to really slow down. His shot isn't really hitting the same. Uh, he and he really doesn't have val- that much value without the ball, which is weird because that used to be the great thing about Joe Ingles is that uh, he's so great off ball, but his three-point shot is really just taking a step back, and he's really just most effective as like a pick-and-roll ball handler and being a facilitator, but they already have so much shot creation, well, so many like shot creators on this team that I don't really know what his role is going into the future. A guy like Ro- Royce O'Neal is a very good defender, but he doesn't really do anything offensively. Uh, 
Jordan Clarkson is a solid player, but he's inconsistent as all hell. And then they really don't have anything else on the bench that you could uh, look at and be like, oh, this player is going to be good right now, or, oh, this player has a bright future. Like, Tony Bradley has a bright future as a backup center, I guess. Georges Niang isn't really anything. Like, I just don't know how this team takes the next step from just being all right to being great. Or I don't even know if they're going to try and really look in that step. Like every year, of course, the team wants to win a championship. But I don't know if they're going to be ballsy enough to try and make like a crazy swing for the fences. And I just don't know where that is. One thing that I uh, saw proposed and thought was incredibly interesting was maybe a Mike Conley and some picks for Chris Paul trade. Uh, That would obviously uh, put them in some more trouble as far as long term for cap but it would improve them in the short term uh, and probably for a couple years to come so i think that could be a very interesting move for them that would definitely raise their ceiling i don't think it's a championship ceiling but maybe uh, more consistently getting to the second round maybe make it to the conference finals because chris ball is such a phenomenal player who had such a great season so i would uh like to see that but i don't really know any other move that could be there because i think rudy gobert is just the most valuable to him. And I think other teams would probably be worried that that type of center is going to fall out soon. Because uh, a player like Rudy Gobert, even though he's an incredible defender, especially around the rim, is still one of the most like replaceable players that I would call a star in the entire league. Uh, where he's very good at what he does at setting screens, at rolling to the basket. He's, his finishing has improved a lot uh, recently. His rebounding is very good. He's a very good offensive rebounder, great shot blocker, great at uh, protecting the rim. But just going into the future, I think the NBA is going to be so focused on uh, bigs who can handle the ball, bigs who can pass, uh, bigs who can shoot, especially uh, even – just having the threat of being able to pick and pop even just from the mid-range uh would be so nice but he just really doesn't have that at all so i think his most the most value uh for rudy gobert is just being on the jazz uh i they're obviously going to keep donovan mitchell uh they're going to keep bojan bogdanovich because he was so good for them I don't think Joe Ingles really has trade value. Royce O'Neal doesn't have trade value. Jordan Clarkson, uh, is gonna, if they resign him, does, isn't going to have crazy trade value. No one on that bench has crazy trade value. They're going to have to hope they nail their draft pick this year, uh, get a steal, and then maybe just make internal improvement and hope that OKC wants to uh, reset, get some even more picks, and have some more cap flexibility going into the future. Because uh, if they do, I think that'd be a very good deal for both sides. They could get that Mike Conley contract, which will be expiring soon. And then they could just stack, keep stacking more assets and more assets. Uh, so maybe when a big player is up for trade, they could uh, trade for that. And then they'll have more cap flexibility to potentially sign a big player as well. So if that move happens, I would love to see them aggressively pursue that. But other than that, I really don't know where they go from here. I don't know how they become true contenders. And I don't really know how they get uh, out from just being a middling playoff team. Even though that's a thing you can value for sure. You're going to get ticket sales every year. You're going to get jersey sales every year. 
but I don't really know if you're ever going to compete for a championship. And they may be completely fine with that. They may be completely fine with just being a solid enough team. Moving on, I want to talk about my the Miami Heat versus the Bucks. We got game two tonight, but game one was a very, very, very interesting one. Jimmy Butler was absolutely incredible this game. Uh, 40 points, hit both of his threes. Uh, hit 12 of his 13 free throws. He was just dominating this game. This was a true, like, Jimmy Butler. I was talking about this in the preview where I kind of wanted to see uh, Chicago, Jimmy Butler, where he's just closing out. He's uh, being completely aggressive, and we saw that. Uh, he was just killing them in all facets of the game. He was getting to the basket like crazy, getting those free throws. His mid-range game was phenomenal. And the way the Bucks play defense uh, really helps Jimmy Butler a ton because they always do the drop coverage in the pick and roll where they just try and get around that screen. And that really allows Jimmy uh, to thrive in the mid-range. He got so many good looks in the mid-range, and he was just hitting them and hitting them. I... I I remember him at a certain point, like telling his teammates that like he's just not going to pass the ball and he's going to keep going at it. Which you love to see that aggressiveness, love to see that confidence, and love to see that uh, just veteran leadership. Where he's like, uh, "I've prepared you guys all year for this moment, but this is my moment right now. I'm taking over and I'm winning this game single-handedly for us, no matter what." And he did that. It was an incredible performance. Uh, just so impressive from him. I love what I saw. He really played his heart out, left it all out there, and played a great game. Uh, Goran Dragic has been amazing for the Heat ever since uh, Kendrick Nunn left the bubble uh, and has came back. He's really not playing that many minutes because Goran Dragic is just playing such good basketball where it just doesn't make sense to give Kendrick Nunn these minutes when Goran Dragic has been uh, consistently putting up like t- around 20 a game. I'm pretty sure in the last like five games, he scored 20, 27 in this one, nine of 15 from the field, two of five from three, uh, seven of seven from the free throw line. He's just such a crafty player around the basket. His uh, Euro steps, his floaters, spin moves, all of that. He's a great finisher without being super athletic. And then uh, his mid-range game, he's another player who uh, takes advantage of that drop coverage defense that the Bucks plays. Uh, he's a great mid-range shooter off the pick and roll. His three-point shot is very good as well. He's just such a good player. Uh, played some great basketball for the Heat. Has been playing phenomenal recently. Uh, and will be a huge part in this series for sure. Uh, other than that, the Heat guys offensively weren't great. Tyler Hero, 3 of 11. Even though he didn't hit 3 of 6 threes. Uh, still a confident player. Hit a huge 3 that was really important. I just love Tyler's Hero confidence. Uh, never seems to be phased by anything late in game. And then it was more just the defensive side of the ball that really, really impressed me about the Heat. They played some incredible defense. Uh, Bam Adebayo played great defense on Giannis. Uh, 17 rebounds, 6 offensive, 11 defensive. Uh, got 6 assists. He didn't score the ball great. Uh, only... F- or- uh, just under 42% for a big man. Obviously isn't great. But he was playing elite defense on Giannis without fouling that much. Only three fouls. Uh, and then was just playing such good defense. He's such a good matchup to Giannis. Because he's one of the rarest players in the league. Where he has the length, 
the size, the and the athleticism and the strength, the speed, all of that to guard Giannis. He's one of the only players in the league who has that perfect combination where he can match up with Giannis nearly size-wise while also being athletic with him, uh, just as athletic as him, which is such a rare uh combination in the league is a true unicorn thing to have in the league uh and then guys even like andre Iguodala, uh jay crowder jimmy butler on some possessions uh they made that wall that has been talked about a lot and i feel like has been blown a little bit out of proportions but eric spolstra is a phenomenal coach and the defensive game plan he set to stop Giannis was so impressive and that's the reason why i had he in seven in the series because i think eric spolstra is such a fantastic coach mixed with such great personnel to guard this bucks team and they were doing the thing that the raptors were doing uh last year which is such a hard thing to do with making the wall that wall to stop Giannis from getting to the basket but also being able to get out to their shooters and yeah the game plan he enforced was just so impressive it was so good and then uh still with that game plan uh the guys still have to execute it and those guys played their heart out executed that game plan perfectly were chasing all the shooters so well and also playing great on uh, defense on the interior, a really good performance from the Heat. Uh, you'd love to see the offense step up a little bit more. Duncan Robinson only hit one of his four threes, uh, was in foul trouble, and you expect him to be even better. They actually lost the three-point battle, which is the thing that uh, really was the difference for me in this series was the Heat's three-point shooting and the Bucks' lack of ability to guard the three-point shot. They still saw 39%, but the Bucks shot even better. So if they can hit their threes even better, if a guy like Duncan Robinson can play uh, so well as he has been uh, this whole playoff run especially, this is terrifying for the Bucks. And if I'm a Bucks fan, I am scared of this Heat team. I know it's just one game, and we'll see what happens in Game 2 tonight. Uh, game 2 tonight will be a huge uh, factor for me to see what happens. I'm going to try to get this podcast out before Game 2 tonight. And, yeah, that's going to be massive to see uh, what happens in Game 2. Because if it's anything like Game 1, I'm confident in this Heat team. I'm still confident in the Heat team no matter what. I think they have such good personnel, and I think they have one of the best coaches in the league. Moving on to the Bucks side of this. Uh, Chris Middleton was phenomenal in the first half. Had like 21 points, but definitely cooled down in the second half. Uh, they tightened up, tightened up on him on defense. He ended up fouling out. Uh, with 28 points on 50% from the field, 50% from three. It was still a good game, but he just wasn't great in the second half. He was pretty much neutralized to just being solid, and he kind of just gave you uh, what you'd want from him. A 28-point performance on very good efficiency is a solid game for sure. Uh, very impressive performance. And the big issue, though, was Giannis, man. Giannis was absolutely just neutralized by this heat team six of 12 uh he hit two of his five threes which you love to see uh that's something that you really like to see him hitting his threes especially because they the heat were giving it to him for sure but the big issue was his confidence he was rattled 
And that can really be shown by the 4 of 12 from the free throw line. He was airballing some free throws, which he's kind of done all season. The three point, uh, the free throw shooting has been a big underlying problem that I've really not heard many people talk about. And I think it needs to become way more of a discussion because it's be- starting to become a huge problem when he's shooting like 60% from the free throw line. That's bad. And it's gone down a lot. His confidence just seems to be shattered when he's at the free throw line. Like... Every time he's going up with it, it just doesn't look like he's comfortable with it. And that's rough to watch. 4 of 12 is terrible. Uh, Had 6 turnovers. Had some crucial ones uh, late in game that were big in the loss. Uh, Brooke Lopez did have a phenomenal performance, though. His 3-point shot was a bit rough all year after him having an incredible 3-point shooting season last year. But ever since the bubble has started, he's been shooting really well from the 3. Scored 24 on really good efficiency, uh, 8 of 10. But he did uh, get in early foul trouble. And I was kind of surprised he didn't uh, play more still, even with that foul trouble, because he kind of stopped fouling at a point. And then Bud just wasn't putting him back in, even though he was so impactful and was so great for the for the Bucks. He was their second best player, or you could even argue, I would even argue he was his bet. He was their best player that game. Uh, and then one thing that terrified me for the Bucks is their rotations were really bad. Like, why is Pat Connaughton playing 25 minutes and closing out the game in a playoff game? I know they don't have Eric Bledsoe, but why is Pat Connaughton playing over Wesley Matthews? Why is he playing more minutes than Wesley Matthews? I know Frank Mason only played one minute, but why was he even put in in the first place? They put him in early, too. I know Kyle Korver's a great shooter, but he's a liability on defense, and he's 40. Why is he playing more minutes than Dante DiVincenzo? Why is Dante DiVincenzo only getting 13 minutes? Like... That those rotations were terrible, and I simply don't think uh, Mike Budenholzer is a very good coach. I think he's the most overrated coach in the league, especially when it comes playoff time. When a team really has the opportunity to ho- hone in on you for seven games, I think Mike Budenholzer gets exposed as a coach. It happened in Atlanta multiple, multiple times, uh, and it looks like it may be starting to become a trend here as well. Uh, it really showed in the difference in the game was the coaching for me. Uh, was Eric Spolstra being one, one of the best coaches in the league, probably top three for me, and Mike Boonholzer being very overrated and just probably above average for me. I think he's extremely overrated as a coach. And I think his schemes work in the regular season, but they don't seem to work in the playoffs. And I'm going to need to see some big adjustments made from him because that's one of my biggest issues with Uh, Mike Budenholzer too, is that he never seems to make the proper adjustments uh, to really make this team as effective as it can be. So I'm going to need to see them step up on the screens because if they keep doing that drop coverage stuff, uh, Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic and guys like that are going to tear them apart this series. Uh, If they keep having the same offense, the same stagnant offense where it's just like five out and Giannis is attacking the basket, uh, they're not going to go anywhere. If he's having these weird, really bad rotations, again, I know Eric Bledsoe is is out, uh, which honestly may be a positive for the Bucks because I'd much rather have George Hill at my starting point guard than Eric Bledsoe for sure, especially, well, definitely in the playoffs because Eric Bledsoe is 
Very, very sketchy in the playoffs. So I'm going to need to see Mike Boonholzer be a way better coach. I'm going to need to see Giannis uh, play way better, especially when it was closing out. He, uh, The way he plo- played when it was closing out was just honestly embarrassing. I think he may have had like one point on one of, uh, what, like 0-4 shooting, hit like one of four free throws, uh, had like two turnovers. In the last couple of minutes, it was embarrassing to watch the league, the back-to-back league MVP and the current defensive player of the year really not have that much of an impact on defense while also not doing anything on offense. So you can't even say his excuse is that he was like exerting all of his energy on defense because uh, like he said, he didn't take on that assignment to guard Jimmy Butler. So I just need to see Giannis play much better. I need to see Chris Middleton be consistent throughout the game, even though he was decent. He was pretty good. Uh, and I'm going to need to see Mike Boonhoser be a way better coach. I need to see adjustments this game. If he doesn't make adjustments, the series is over. This series is 100% over, in my opinion. And that may sound like an overreaction, but I need to see him make a ton of adjustments. If they come out the same way they did in Game 1, this series is over. Uh, Eric Spolstra will continue to run circles around uh, Mike Boonhoser, if you give Eric Spolstra the same game plan seven games, he's going to run circles around you. So I need to see that happen tonight. And this this game is pivotal. This is a must win for the Bucks. They can't go down 0-2 to such a good Heat team like this. Moving on to Rockets versus Thunder game six. Now, this was a very, very interesting one. Russell Westbrook, man. We always have this conversation about Russell Westbrook when it comes playoff time. And it's just sometimes very, very rough to watch him in the playoffs. It's annoying because Russell Westbrook is so athletic. He's such a talented player. And you really can tell he just loves the game so much. He always puts 100% into every possession. But he just makes way too many boneheaded plays for me. He had so many crucial turnovers. He had that one where he was trying to throw it to Robert Covington where he just chucked it away out of bounds. He airballed that mid-range. And the thing was that mid-range wasn't even a bad shot. That's a shot he's been hitting pretty well all year. But he airballed that by a lot. It was bad. Like, it was an ugly, ugly airball. And the annoying thing was that he was the one controlling the ball at the end of the game. I need to see James Harden step up and take that ball. The annoying thing about James Harden is a lot of his fans will say he's not a playoff choker. And they only bring up stats which I think is a very, very flawed argument and a flawed point. I do not think he's a playoff choker. I don't even think he's close to that. But I also don't think he's a player who steps up in the playoffs. And my biggest issue with James Harden is these moments where it's a close game and you want to see one of the greatest scorers of all time just take the ball and be like, hey, I'm finishing this game for us. But he was, like, screening. He was setting off ball screens he was just standing there i mean they were also doing a good job of denying him the ball but he was just standing there and letting russell westbrook uh control the offense which i don't want to see i don't want to see an out of control player like russell westbrook control 
uh, the offense to end the game when you got such a cool killer like Chris Paul on the other side. So I need to see James Harden in this game seven. This is a legacy game for James Harden. He needs to come out and have a performance this game. He needs to prove why he's one of the greatest players, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, of all time. I want to see an incredible performance for him, and if the game is close, I need to see him close this damn game. Even if he loses, which would still be an ugly thing, and it would be an ugly thing for Russell Westbrook. This is uh, one of the most important games of the whole playoffs. Obviously, it's a game seven, but this is a legacy game for Russell Westbrook. This is a legacy say. Uh, legacy game for James Harden. This is a legacy game for Chris Paul. Where if Chris Paul wins this, this is going to be remembered that he was traded to. Uh, he was traded to the Thunder team. They were given a zero point two percent chance uh, from ESPN to make the playoffs. He was traded by this Rockets team. If he beats Russell Westbrook and James Harden, that is one of the greatest accomplishments in Chris Paul's. Paul's uh, illustrious legacy that would be so incredible if he could pull this off and then if james harden doesn't have a moment where he's at least doing everything he can to pull this team back i think it's time we have a serious conversation about james harden and where he ranks all time and uh if he can ever be a championship player because he's so talented but it just seems like in these moments he never wants to step up to the plate it doesn't even seem like he necessarily shies away from it but some people like chris paul thrive for these moments he's ready uh, even guys like russell westbrook who i think is one of the worst clutch performers in the entire league but even russell westbrook he's uh even in a losing effort he's gonna take those shots he's gonna play his heart out that's the thing about James Harden. He just seems way too nonchalant a lot of the times. And you look at the final box score, and it'll be like, oh, 32 points on 50%. Three-point shot was a bit rough. Got to the line eight, uh, eight times. Got eight rebounds, seven assists. And you may be like, oh, isn't that a great stat line? And it is. But then you just watch the game, and you see these moments where he's just kind of there. And for him being one of the greatest offensive uh, players of all time, him just being kind of there is unacceptable. Uh, especially when guys like Robert Covington are stepping up, hitting 7 of 11 shots, 4 of 6 from 3, uh, scoring 18 points. When a guy like Daniel House is playing uh, pretty decent off the bench, uh, you just need to close out this game, need to close out that game no matter what. And if they lose this game 7 and he doesn't step up and doesn't play a great game, I want to hear zero excuses Um Mike D'Antoni is probably going to be gone. They're probably going to change what they're doing uh, and at least get somewhat of a center on the roster. I still like the idea of going uh, almost all in on small ball, but just having the option of a center I think would be a good idea. And they're going to have to have some roster change. We're going to have to have a discussion about Russell Westbrook, where he ranks all time, where he ranks right now. Because uh, I've even – I've still seen people say – uh, when they're ranking point guards and they consider Luka Doncic a point guard, I've still seen people say Russell Westbrook is better than Luka Doncic, which I think is ridiculous. I've still seen people say he's better than Damian Lillard, which I think is ridiculous, even though Damian Lillard doesn't have the best playoff record either. Uh, but we're going to need to have a serious conversation about Russell Westbrook. If he has another game like this where he's making boneheaded play after boneheaded play, uh, throwing crucial turnovers... Uh, airballing shots, taking bad shots. We're going to have to have a serious conversation about 
Russell Westbrook. We're going to have a serious conversation about this Rockets team as a whole and what they need to do. Uh, Eric Gordon has been terrible. He's been so bad this whole playoffs. Oh, my God. It's rough to watch Eric Gordon. He's been really bad. This whole season, he just hasn't been the same as he's been in previous years. And it's been rough to watch. Uh, but moving on to that long rant about the Rockets, uh, we're going to talk about the Thunder side of this. Now, uh, Shea didn't have a good game again. He's just been kind of... He's just been kind of there this playoffs. I haven't really seen a big moment from him. Other than that one game where he hit that huge three and he had a very solid game. Other than that, he's just been, ugh. He's just been, ugh. Like, four of 11 from the field. I mean, two of five from three is nice. Uh, six assists is nice, but then four turnovers. It's like, you want to see him play better. And hopefully he can have a moment in game seven. Because that would be huge for a young guy like that to have a, a big moment in a crucial game seven. That would be really fun to watch. But Danilo Gallinari, uh, he's been really inconsistent this series after being, like, one of the most consistent players in the entire league. Uh, it feels like either he's having 25 or he's having, like, 6. Uh, but he did have 25 this game on 9 of 17 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3. Uh, he was really good for them, was a huge part in them getting this win. Steven Adams, you'd love to see him be more assertive because it's just, like, he misses a lot of shots that you're like, come on, Steven, where he... Uh, they were on a fast break, and it was James Harden guarding him. 6'5", James Harden, compared to 7-foot beast Steven Adams. And he misses a layup, a pretty open one, and then misses the tip-in. And it's like, come on. Like, I know you're doing well on the offensive glass. Got nine offensive rebounds, and that's insane. Uh, but I'd love to see him be more aggressive as a finisher. Uh, Luguen Stort finally had an efficient game. Still shot only 2 of 6 from 3. That's kind of always just going to be how it is for, for right now, at least, until he has an offseason to really uh, hone in and work on that. But he was pretty solid uh, playing good defense on James Harden as he's been trying to do this entire series. It's not perfect still because, I mean, it's James Harden we're talking about. It's pretty, it's pretty damn hard to guard James Harden. But the most impressive thing, uh, and Dennis Schroeder had a really rough game, uh, 0-5 from 3, 5-16 from the field after being such a great piece for them all year. Really rough game from him, and then no one on the bench really did much. Uh, even though Darius Baisley got to the line six times, got nine rebounds, that was nice to see. He had a really solid 22 minutes. I really like Darius Baisley, and I like what he brings to the Thunder team in the future and right now. But Chris Paul, man, Chris Paul uh, is one of the most criticized players in the entire league and i really don't get it a lot of people call him a playoff choker but i think that's one of the most false narratives that has ever been made up uh he is not a playoff choker by any means he's not close to one he is a player who has had some of the worst luck in moments in the playoffs but that does not mean he's a playoff choker if you consider injuries choking then we have a completely different dif different definition of choking. And Chris Paul, man, was that closer for the Thunder. Uh, with, a guy, with a team that has some young guys, has some uh, guys that are just solid, he was like, hey, guys, I am finishing this game no matter what. Uh, I may not be getting a ton of assists or anything, but he forced two turnovers, got two massive steals, uh, hit two threes uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, and then his mid-range this whole year, and it's especially in the clutch time, it just seems like he can never miss from the mid-range. Such a phenomenal mid-range shooter, and he was 
killing it in the mid-range. Scored 28 points, 50% from the field, 50% from three. Hit all five of the free throws. Got uh, three steals. Was just playing great basketball. And the just the way he closed was so impressive. I loved how he played at the end. I love what I saw from Chris Ball. Seems like every since he's gone uh, vegan, he's gotten to the best shape of his life. Uh, and he's playing some of the best basketball of his life. Obviously, it's not peak Chris Paul, but for the age he is right now, the basketball he's playing is so, so impressive. He's playing amazing right now, and he's had such a good season. It would be crazy. If he wins this, that's going to be a – that better be a huge boost to his legacy after, again, point two chance by ESPN to make the playoffs, getting traded by this Rockets team, getting seemingly give up on by this Rockets team. If he could pull off this win after being the underdog, especially when the Rockets went up and it looked like the series was looking pretty rough after the Thunder got blown out in some games, and especially if he has a moment where he's closing out this game, that's going to be a huge boost to Chris Paul, like uh, Chris Paul's legacy, and it's going to gain a it should at least gain a ton of respect from a ton of people. Chris Paul was phenomenal this game. I'm so excited for Game 7 tonight. Uh, hopefully, it's not like the uh, Jazz uh, Nuggets game where it's rough offensively. I just hope it's a back-and-forth battle. I hope James Harden steps up. Uh, even though I'm very critical of a lot of these players, I'm very critical of guys like James Harden and Russell Westbrook. That doesn't mean I don't want to see them succeed. I'd love to see them prove me lo- wrong. I'd love to see them uh, step up and uh, play huge in the final moments of the game. And I'd love to see guys like Chris Paul prove me right. I'd love to see him uh, play great again in the final moments of the game. And I just want to see a back-and-forth battle uh, and hopefully we'll see a historic Game 7. And no matter who goes out on top, I think this will be a great series. I just really hope this isn't a blowout. That would be really sad. But if we get a back-and-forth battle between guys like Chris Paul, Shea, uh, Gallinari, and then between Russell Westbrook, uh, James Harden, and all those shooters, that will be incredibly exciting. And, yeah, I'm so excited for this Game 7. This is going to be a great one. Moving on to the last game we got to talk about, uh, we got Celtics versus Raptors. My Boston Celtics take the 2-0 lead. Uh, This was a really, really tight game. This was the game that I expected the series where it's going to be a bit of a bit of an ugly game, uh, more of a defensive game because both of these teams are phenomenal defensively. Both of them are really, really impressive defensively. Uh, I think both are top five. And it was just really nice uh, to see the Celtics pull out this ugly win. They played great in this game. Marcus Smart was so massive for them. He's been great all year. His three-point shot, his uh, his three-point shot improvement has really gone under the radar. But everybody was seeing that when he was hitting those insane shots uh, in the fourth quarter. Hit five threes in the fourth quarter. Was hitting some really tough ones too. Uh, hit like a crazy contested and one. Hit some step back threes. Hit some like a uh, hit a three where he he faked up and then sidestepped. He was just going insane in the fourth quarter. He was playing incredible, uh, and I loved what I saw from him. Jason Tatum played a great game. Uh, thirty four points, playoff career high. Got to the free throw line fourteen times. He was being so aggressive. It just seems like he glides to the basket, and no one can really stop him going there. 
Uh, it's just so easy for him. And then he was getting to the free throw line with ease. Hit four of his seven threes. Uh, was hitting his mid-ranges. He just had a great game. I love what I saw from Jason Tatum. He even stepped up and made some good passes. Uh, his, his playmaking has definitely taken a bit of a step. Uh, six assists. Love what I saw from him there. Uh, Jalen Brown had a bit of a rough shooting game. I really hope he turns things around soon because he's had a, a couple rough shooting games in a row. Uh, but he still played good defense, and he started off hot and then just cooled down. He was really good in the first half, and then everything slowed down for him. Uh, Kemba Walker, if you just look at that box uh, at that box score, it looks pretty rough, and it definitely was uh, for the first like three quarters. Six of 18, uh, one of eight from three. He was getting all the shots that he's been hitting recently, so it doesn't seem like it's a health thing. It doesn't seem like that knee was bothering him anything. It just seems like the shots weren't going in. He was getting all those mid-ranges that he has seemed to be automatic on. He was getting those uh, three-pointers off the pick and roll, but he did hit some massive shots, made some great plays to close out the game down the stretch. Uh, hit a huge step back shot that was uh, the close, the closer in this game. It was just such a phenomenal shot. And I just love Kemba Walker so much and what he brings to the Celtics team. He just brings such good leadership. And uh, it was really just impressive. Again, the Celtics, two of their best guys uh, weren't great. Jalen Brown was eh, 16 on bad shooting. Kemba Walker was pretty bad, except for him having. Uh, some big plays, getting to the free throw line a couple times in crucial moments. Uh, but it, just his style line was pretty rough. They are obviously missing Gordon Hayward, but they were still able to pull off this game. This is just what I love about the Celtics team. This Celtics team is probably my favorite Celtics team ever. And I just have so much confidence in this team because of how they play. Uh, they just play so team-oriented uh, with them having four guys who can... Uh, score pretty well like Marcus Smart isn't a consistent scorer but he just has those nights sometimes where he'll just randomly again like hit five threes in a quarter and you're like what in one game he hit like 11 threes against the Phoenix Suns this year some of the most in NBA history and then obviously we all know what Marcus Smart brings as an energy guy as a defender he does all the little things that may not show up on the box uh, the box score, but if you're watching the games, especially if you're a Celtics fan, you just love Marcus Smart so much. You love what he brings to this team so much. He's the best role player in the entire league, in my opinion, and he's way more of an impact than almost any role player. And then Jason Tatum is playing the best basketball uh, of his career, other than that February where he was on fire for like 30 points. He's still averaging like 25 in the playoffs. Literally, just other than that one Bucks game, and he had like one other game where he was just all right. Other than that one Bucks game and the other game where he was just all right, he's been insane in the playoffs and in the seeding games. He's really on a roll, and this whole Celtics team is on a roll as a whole. Uh, they're six and zero right now. Uh, unless the Heat win tonight, they'll be the only six and zero team. They just have all the confidence in the world. Robert Williams was amazing. I love what I've seen from Robert Williams so far in the series. Hit five of his five shots. Even hit a mid range, which he's been uh, showing the willingness to expand his range more uh, and step out to the mid range. Uh, step out and do pick and pops and stuff like that. Love to see that. And then he's just such an athletic player. Uh, was doing a great, great job of getting like tip dunks, uh, running, running the floor, just doing all that stuff very well. Still has lapses defensively, uh, but you kind of just take that at this point. 
he still brings some very nice things to the Celtics team and just brings great energy, even if he's only playing like 17 minutes like he did or only plays like 15 minutes. He just brings some nice energy and brings a nice dynamic to this team uh, that they didn't re- that they don't really have. So I really like what I saw from the Celtics this game, and I think they'll play even better. Uh, their defense has just been so phenomenal. Uh, their defense has been incredible. I love what I've seen from their defense. They're playing great basketball right now. Moving on to the Raptors side, OG Ananobi had a phenomenal game. Uh, it seems like we were really leaving him open in the corner a lot, and he uh, took advantage of that, hit four of his six threes, uh, hit some crucial shots. Uh, when we did close out hard, he was attacking to the basket. I like what I saw a lot from OG Ananobi this game. He was being very aggressive and scoring the ball at a good rate. Pascal Siakam, uh, the most overrated player in the league, uh, 6 of 16. He's been, he just hasn't been good for the pa- for the entire bubble. He hasn't been good. I don't want to hear anything other than that because anything other than that is not the truth. He has not been good, and it's starting to really show that he is not a number one option. I don't even think he's the best player on this team. I think Kyle Lowry is. And the conversation with Jason Tatum and Pascal Siakam, I think it's an interesting conversation for like all NBA teams because uh, they have close stats. But just as a player, just like using a mix of stats and then the eye test and seeing where they're going. Jason Tatum is ascending and playing some of the best basketball in his career. And Pascal Siakam, this whole year, uh, ever since having such a start, uh, such a on-fire start has just been on a slow decline and is on a big decline right now, uh, just as the number one option. So even though I think it's an interesting conversation, who would you put on like an all-NBA team? I just think as a player, Jason Tatum's way better. I've seen multiple times where people do like a start bench cut with Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and Pascal Siakam. I think Pascal Siakam is the clear last right now. He's the clear last for the future, considering he's already 26. And I just think his... Uh, him as a player and his future has been overrated a lot. He really just doesn't have many moves. He has that spin move, which everybody's been making fun of, that that's his only move. Uh, but it's kind of true. He just really can't do much off the dribble. He's really getting exposed as the number one option. And then there's small guards. The Celtics are playing such good defense on those small guards. Uh, Kyle Lowry, 5 of 16, 0 of 7 from 3. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, even though he... Uh, was looking great to start 8 of 22 3 of 12 from 3 those guys are really struggling Uh, and even though Kyle Lowry still brings some very important things for the Raptors team uh, like playing great defense uh, getting charges getting steals uh, his offense has been really struggling and really the only guy who's uh well, the only two guys who have stepped up and been playing well for the Raptors team are Serge Ibaka and OG Ananopi. Uh, Serge Ibaka has been phenomenal. We really haven't been guarding him from the three or from the mid-range. I just think Tice uh, isn't doing a very good job in the pick and pop. And Serge Ibaka has taken all of the advantage of that in the world. He's uh, scored 17 on 7 of 12, hit three of his five threes, got nine rebounds, uh, got two blocks. He just had a really good game. Norman Powell wasn't very good after having such a good season off the bench. And then the shot they got at the end was terrible. Like, I don't know what they were doing. They had a timeout. And then Fred Van Vliet got that terrible three-up. And then Nick Nurse coming in with all the excuses, crying about them uh, with the free throws, even though... 
I hate when coaches complain about that when it's not like an obvious problem. And I hate when fans complain when they just say like, oh, you guys had way more free throws than us. Well, we were attacking the basket more and you guys were fouling. And first of all, we got six more free throws than you guys. And they're like, well, Jason Tatum got 14 free throws and we only got 19. Well, he was attacking the basket like crazy. Maybe your defender shouldn't get blown by and then maybe you shouldn't foul him when he's at the basket. It's not rocket science. It's pretty simple, in fact. So I don't want to hear any excuses. I don't want to hear any complaining. Uh, the Raptors team just hasn't been playing that good. And the Celtics are. Uh, I 100% see the Celtics winning this series. I can't see a team that has that is this good and that is on so much of a roll. I can't see them losing four of the five next games. And you may be like, oh, well, the Raptors team last year came back from down 2-0. Uh, they had this guy called Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if you heard of him. He's kind of like the best or the second best player in the world. Uh, and they don't have that, actually. And a ton of Raptors fans have acted like they don't need uh, that guy. But you do. Pascal Siakam is not a number one option. Uh, and he's just not a good enough shot creator nearly. And you may... Well, plenty of Raptors fans. I heard all year. Well, our regular season record. Our regular season record. Uh, you got to remember, Kawhi Leonard... Uh, load managed plenty of those games and then the regular season while it's important it is much different than when you have a seven game series where a team can hone in on you hone in on all your flaws and create a game plan to match up with you and brad stevens is creating a great game plan and the raptors lack of shot creation and the lack of a number one guy is really shown to be a problem they're kind of reminding me of the uh, Hawks of like the mid 2010s right now where they're going to have great regular seasons, but without that number one guy and them just having a bunch of really solid, good guys, I don't think uh, they can be a championship team. Like so many people said, uh, I was still saying that this is going to go seven. I expected them probably go six. Now uh, I just think the Celtics have way too much momentum. And I just think the Raptors aren't playing great basketball right now. And I think they're, uh, Issues are being magnified and being way more of a problem than I even thought they were. And I was a guy who I love the Celtics team and am so confident in them. And even I thought the Raptors had a great chance of beating us. But we're just playing great basketball right now. And the Raptors aren't. Uh, I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back uh, to talk about some NFL news and then do some scatter. Okay, I'm back to talk about some NFL news. We got some very interesting things to talk about as the NFL season is coming up very soon. It's only uh, eight days away. I'm super excited for it. Uh, I'm still very unsure on how everything's going to be run, how they're going to make everything safe, but hopefully things go well. At this point, I'm just hoping for the best, but there's been a lot of stuff going on. Uh... A lot of stuff with Alvin Kamara is going on. So we heard he was out for three straight practices due to, due to some issues with uh, contract things. Then it was heard that they were potentially shopping him uh, to see his value on the market, which is interesting because he's an incredibly talented player. And obviously the Saints want to win right now. And even though the running back position is definitely the most replaceable in the NFL and it's not really even close, it's still interesting to see that they were potentially shopping uh, them. But he's returned to practice, so it looks like they're negotiating. And it looks like uh, before we'll know it, 
uh, sooner rather than later. He'll get a contract extension, which he definitely deserves. He deserves to be one of the highest paid running backs in the league. Uh, one of the most versatile running backs can catch the ball out of the backfield really well. has great hands and is also an elite runner. So I think it's the right move for uh, both sides uh, to agree on a pretty decent uh, contract extension. Uh, nothing crazy, just because the running back position is just so replaceable, even though a guy like Alan Kamara, who can catch the ball as well as he can, uh, is something that is very valuable and very important. Uh, a running back who actually got an extension with Joe Mixon, a uh, very big extension, uh, four years, a lot of money for the Bengals. I do like this for him as he's been really good for them. They obviously drafted Joe Burrow at one, so you're going to want to get him as many weapons as you can, and having a nice, reliable uh, running back for him uh, day one and for the first couple of years of his career, I think that's a great move for them. Uh, I think they're going in the right direction. It'll be a slow rebuild, but I love the Joe Burrow pick. I think Joe Burrow is going to be phenomenal in the NFL, and I like some of the other picks they made. I like some of the young talent. Uh, I'd love to see John Ross have a breakout season, even though I don't know uh, how sure I am on that happening, just because he's really struggled to stay healthy, and then even when he uh, has been healthy, he hasn't been great, but hopefully he'll have uh, a breakout season, because I really like uh, John Ross, and I really just like this Bengals team's potential. Uh, I would like to see them move AJ Green, just because... Uh, even though it would be nice for Joe Burrow to have a weapon like that to start his career, I think it would just be best for the team to try and get uh, whatever they can out of A.J. Green because he's a valuable asset, and I'm sure plenty of teams would want him. Even though he has obviously had some health issues, he's still an incredibly talented player that uh, many teams would want, especially if it's a team that's trying to compete for the, champ uh, for the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback for... Uh, the Chargers to start the season, and I think this is uh, the right move for them. Uh, I just don't think it was a well. I wouldn't have thought it was a great idea to start uh, the rookie, obviously, because that's just uh, a lot for them, a lot for a guy like Justin Herbert to just come in immediately and be the starting guy. I think that would have been way too much for him, especially. I'm not a big fan of Justin Herbert at all, to be totally honest. Uh, just because I didn't really like what I saw from him at Oregon. I thought he was very underwhelming. I just didn't think he was that talented. Like, I think he'll be a solid player, but uh, for pick six, I didn't. I just really didn't like that pick that much. But hopefully uh, this will give him some time to learn behind Tyrod Taylor uh, for sure. And then when he uh, is eventually the starter, he'll definitely have weapons. Hunter Henry, if he can stay healthy, which has been an issue. Uh, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. Uh, Mike Williams they got a pretty talented offense uh, you definitely like to see that offensive line be improved as that offensive line is pretty weak and it'll be interesting to see how Tyrod Taylor does he's really getting uh, an opportunity he hasn't got an opportunity to be a starting quarterback in a while so it'll be interesting to see how he plays it'll be interesting to see uh, if at a certain point they go to Justin Herbert maybe if they're struggling if they just want to go uh, full tank mode and then uh, give their guy a shot that would be an uh, interesting and then one very, very sad news that came out of the Chargers as well is Derwin James is going to be out for the season uh, with a knee injury. It's just really tragic because he had such a phenomenal rookie season. He's such a talented player. And in his very young career, uh, injuries have already been an issue and has been something that has 
started to plague him pretty bad, which is just really sad because he's so talented, and you really just hope this isn't a recurring thing, but it's not looking good right now. He missed, I think, either a majority or all of last year with injury, and then he's going to miss all of this year with injury, so it's just tough for uh, them to lose such a talented player, so versatile. He can do a lot of things. He can uh, come off the edge and rush the passer sometimes. He can uh, play in the box. He can cover. He can even play like a middle linebacker role. He's just such a talented, versatile player for them. And it's really tough uh, for them to lose out on that. Uh, another big news that happened is Leonard Fournette got cut. Uh, they were looking to trade him, and they really just said they couldn't get any value out of him, which is kind of interesting because he's, uh, I don't think he's anything crazy, but he's a talented player. And it's really unfortunate for them that their fourth pick only three years ago. They've now been basically forced to cut. They're going in full rebuild mode. Uh, they obviously didn't get an asset out of him, but they're just going to be even worse this year without Leonard Fournette. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who picks him up. I'm sure plenty of teams uh, will be on his radar and will be going after him. I wouldn't be surprised if a team like the Bucks, because uh, they could definitely use some more running back depth and just some more talent at that position. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be so many teams uh, that could use a power back uh, use a talented player like for like Leonard Fournette, but obviously running back position just isn't that valuable. And a player uh, like him who was picked at fourth is going to have a bigger contract, so that may have been one of the bigger reasons why they just couldn't get much value out of him because maybe no team thought uh, it would be a good move to take on that contract for a running back and a running back who isn't incredibly talented. But yeah. Uh, we got a lot of NFL news. There's going to be a ton of stuff uh, coming up soon. I'm going to be bringing you guys a lot of NFL content. It definitely won't be as in-depth uh, as my NBA content just because that's something I'm way more passionate about. But I do love the NFL. It's really fun to watch. And I'm really excited that it's going to be in only eight days. Uh, there's going to be a ton of stuff happening. Every year the NFL switches up so much just due to the draft. I'm excited to see what happens with my Patriots because we obviously got Cam Newton, which is a really exciting thing to see happen. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to this NFL season. I just really hope it still happens, but I think it's going to be a fun one. Uh, and I think there's going to be a ton of uh, fun storylines, uh, trades. There's just going to be a lot of cool stuff happening. There's even some free agents who uh, still are out there who haven't been signed, like Jadavion Clowney, who was off... Uh, who's apparently offered multiple contracts from the Browns, but is, hasn't signed any of them. And that's super interesting that he isn't still isn't on a team, and I'm sure plenty of teams have offered him contracts. He just doesn't seem interested in any of them, which is very interesting. Uh, Logan Ryan signed with the Giants, which I think was a really nice move for the Giants just because uh, their cornerback position isn't great. Uh, there's the whole situation going on with DeAndre Baker where he could potentially facing... Uh, a lot of time in prison uh, due to him being involved in a robbery. So they definitely needed more help at the cornerback position because even with DeAndre Baker, he had a rough rookie uh, rough rookie season. And I just like that move for them. Get a veteran in there. And uh, I do like this Giants team. I like their young talent. I think they can be pretty uh, solid going into the future. While they still won't be good now, uh, Dwayne Haskins is going to be the starting QB for the football team. <laughs> Which I still can't believe that's an actual NFL team name, just football team. Uh, but I really like Dwayne Haskin. I love what I saw from him uh, towards the end of last year. I think he took a, uh, some really nice steps. And I think he's going to be really solid for uh, this 
this football team. <laughs> I think he's going to be a really good player, uh, and I th- think he's going to have a much better season than last year. Last year was up and down, but it was a lot more trending upwards towards the end of the season. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens with Alex Smith. Obviously, he's coming back from that catastrophic leg injury, and he's cleared to play, but I'm sure he's still uh, trying to get back into rhythm, trying to still be 100% healthy, because you, you would definitely still worry about that for sure. Uh, really excited for this NFL season. Really happy that it's in almost eight days. There's going to be a ton of content brought from you, brought to you with the NFL, and the NBA is still going to be going on. So we're going to have some very long episodes. But yeah, that's my thoughts on some of the NFL news that's going on right now, and then the NFL season. Moving on, we're going to talk about my first scouting report of the day. Uh, this one is on Emmanuel Quickly. He's a 21-year-old, 6'3", 188-pound guard out of Kentucky. He averaged 16.1 points, 4.2 rebounds, and 1.9 assists on 41.6% from the field, uh, 42.8% from three, and 92.3% uh, from the line. My strengths are that he's a very quick first step. Uh, he has a good floater game, good finisher, good ability to get to the free throw line, is incredibly efficient. Uh, when he's at the free throw line, 92.3% is phenomenal. He's very good at moving off the ball, uh, very good at curling around screens, getting open for three. And then when he gets open, he's an elite three-point shooter, uh, such a great catch-and-shoot player. I love the way he moves off the ball. He's also uh, pretty active on defense. Uh, he has quick feet and great lateral movement that always uh, allows him to stay in front of his opponent his opponent he's a very smart player he improved a ton from his freshman year uh, looked a lot better had a very solid season he's a good athlete uh, he uh, while being a player that i would mainly use as a catch and shoot player he also has shown some pretty solid ability uh, to make shots off the dribble and his ball handling is decent uh, my weaknesses is sometimes he can uh, over dribble uh, leading to some poor possessions his jump form uh, his jump shot form is sometimes a little inconsistent, which is weird for such a good shooter to have that issue. But uh, just like watching some of the times, I'm like, why Why is this jump shot look just a good bit different to the other one? So I'd like to see him become more consistent with that. Uh, he needs to be more assertive on offense. Sometimes he can kind of just blend around. Like even though he's good at moving off the ball, sometimes he really just needs to be more aggressive when he's moving off the ball. Uh, do like handoff plays. And then really just demand the ball more on offense. Uh, he's undersized to play the shooting guard at only 6'3", 188 pounds. But his vision also isn't good enough to be a point guard. He His vision uh, and his playmaking ability really doesn't stand out much at all. He uh, only makes pretty simple reads. Nothing advanced. Uh, it doesn't have like a big turnover issue or anything. But it's just not very good. Uh, and then his size... Uh, really just doesn't allow him to be a point guard, even though he's in the point guard body. Uh, well, his size doesn't allow him to be uh, a shooting guard, but he's in a point guard body, but he plays like a shooting guard. Uh, he doesn't finish well through contact. That's probably a big reason uh, because he's just very uh, very skinny still, only 188 pounds. You'd love to see him put on some more muscle, uh, really be able to finish through contact. And then get to the free throw line even more because he's so phenomenal at finishing when he gets to the free throw line. So you just like to see him do it more for sure. Uh, his off-ball defense could improve. Sometimes he can either uh, just get lost or sometimes he can also uh, overcommit and get beat. And his handle could also be better for a guard. Like his uh, ball handling is solid, but at only 6'3", you definitely like to see it uh, be a bit more advanced. 
I'm at around a top 25 to 35 prospect. I'd have him fitting uh, best with the Knicks because he'd give them some much-needing shooting uh, and scoring to them. Their spacing has been really bad these past couple of years, uh, and they could really use that. The 76ers, he would bring a nice punch of uh, scoring and shooting off the bench that they need. Uh, they kind of always just need as many shooters as they can get, especially with the position they put themselves uh, in with that Horford contract. You just need to find any shooters you can. And he actually, uh, my comparison, is a player who's currently on the 76ers roster, Shake Milton. Uh, both very good shooters. Uh, both uh, kind of have a point guard size. Even though Shake Milton's a little bit bigger, he's around like 6'4 to 6'5. But he's still pretty, uh, they're both pretty frail. And neither of them are great passers. They're more uh, guys you want scoring, you guys guys you want moving off the ball. And yeah, I like Emmanuel quickly. I think he's going to be a solid role player in the league. And I think he'll just be a nice uh, shooter and score for teams off the bench. A bit of a microwave player. Moving on to the second uh, scouting report, we got Devon Dotson. He's a 21-year-old, 6'2", 185-pound point guard out of Canada. Uh, out of Kansas, he averaged 18.1 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 4 assists on 46.8% from uh, the field, 30.9% from 3, and 83% from the line. My strengths are that he's very quick, he's good at getting to the free throw line, uh, very solid free throw shooter. He has uh, quick hands, pretty good uh, ability to get steals, get out in transition, and to use that uh that very quick speed to get to the basket when he's in transition. He's uh, pretty good at attacking the basket. His ability to attack the, uh, attack the basket is very impressive. He's very crafty while finishing. Uh, can pull out uh, a variety of moves, euros, uh, spin moves, all that type of stuff. I like to see that. Uh, he's elite in transition. Like I said, he can just uh, steal the ball, and he's out because he's so quick. Or when a teammate gets a steal... Or even just uh, if a teammate gets a rebound, he his speed is elite, and he can really get out there quickly. Uh, he's a pretty high IQ player on defense, and he's just a pretty solid defender overall. Uh, he's a decent passer, He's uh, and he's a very tough player. That's one of the things he's known for is his toughness, and uh, you like to see that. My weaknesses, though, he has below average size for a point guard, 6'2", 185. Uh, for me, I really like uh, larger point guards. That's something I've always just uh, preferred, having a guy like Luka at 6'8", uh, well, 6'7", 6'8", running point guard, having a guy like Ben Simmons, LeBron is playing point guard this year, even guys like Malcolm Brogdon who are like 6'5", guys like Lonzo. I just like bigger point guards uh, if I was running a team. And he's also a very, very inconsistent outside shooter. Definitely needs to work on that. You can't be a 31% three-point shooter as a point guard, especially in college. That's definitely something that's worrying. Uh, it's just such an inconsistent shot for him. He really needs to hone in on that. And uh, during the draft, the draft process uh, and as he works to get in a rotation, he just needs to become a better shooter because people are not going to play him that much if he's... Uh, not an elite defender or not uh, an elite passer and he's only a uh, below average shooter he can definitely get out of control sometimes leading, leading to turnovers he may uh, struggle to finish against bigger more athletic players just due to that lack of size even though his craftiness and his aggressiveness while attacking the basket is nice his vision doesn't stand out uh, 
like I was talking about earlier, I really like guys who can kind of see the play before it happens. And he's just really not one of those guys. He's more of a read and react guy who will make the right pass, but won't make that elite pass that the upper echelon of uh, playmakers make. He also definitely needs to become uh, more well-rounded as a scorer. I'd like to see him get a little bit more of an in-between game. And then uh, his three-point shot still, like I said, definitely needs to improve. Needs a lot of improvement. Uh, he ride, relied on his athleticism a lot to score, which isn't necessarily a huge problem. Uh, but it is just a problem as you develop and go up uh, each level in basketball. There's just going to be more and more athletic players. Uh, more players who are very quick like him. And even though I think he'll still be able to use that uh, speed and athleticism to score, you just want to see him become a more skilled, well-rounded offensive player as a whole. Uh, and then he can be out of position sometimes on defense, uh, can get out of control, uh, has a, uh, a tendency that a lot of young players have where they'll go for a steal when it doesn't make sense to sometimes uh, bite too hard in a passing lane, get beat back door, all that type of stuff. Uh, I've been rated as a top 30 to 40 prospect. Uh, I'm fitting uh, best with the Pelicans. I think he'd be a really nice backup point guard for them. Uh, that position could definitely use improvement for them. And he'd fit with their uh, fast place, fast-paced style for sure. I've been compared to uh, Patty Mills and Darren Collison, both two uh, smaller point guards. I like the Darren Collison uh, comparison a little more. They're both kind of similar as a passer. Uh, Darren Collison is definitely a better outside shooter, uh, even though he wasn't always a great outside shooter. And yeah, Devon Dotson, I just think he'll be a decent backup point guard. Nothing crazy. Yeah, I got done uh, most of my top guys. So these are more guys that I just think will be role players in the league. Uh, a role player that I do uh, like a good bit, though, is the next one in Cassius Stanley. Uh, he's a 21-year-old, 6'6", 193-pound guard at a Duke. He averaged 12.6 points, 4.9 rebounds, and 1 assist on 47.4% uh, from the field, 36% from 3, and 73.3% from the line. Uh, my strengths are that he's a very good, uh, he has a very good jump shot. He's a good mid-range shooter, good three-point shooter. Uh, solid finisher, can score at all three levels of the game. I like to see that. He has uh, pretty nice versatility uh, while scoring for sure. Uh, he's just super well-rounded as a scorer as a whole, and I, I just like to see that him being able to do a bit of everything, uh, even though he doesn't necessarily excel crazy at one thing. Uh, he's very athletic. He has uh, an incredible uh, bounce off the burst. Uh, <laughs> burst off the bounce. <laughs> where you can get to the basket pretty well. Uh, he's good at moving off the ball. He has a solid ability to create his own shot. He's a good at, uh, defender. His his good athleticism definitely helps him on that side, and he's a pretty solid uh, He's a pretty solid size, too. He's solid at getting to the free throw line and is a decent free throw shooter. He's very light on his feet and has good lateral uh, quickness, and he's good in the open court, another thing that his athleticism uh, really helps him be good in. His weakness though, very, very thin, uh, thin frame. 6'6", six, six, only 193 pounds. Definitely needs to put on a lot of weight, a lot of muscle, because he's just going to get pushed around by bigger players being that frail. Uh, needs to grow into that NBA body 100%. He can be reckless while attacking the basket sometimes, just leading to some ugly shots where you're like, come on, dude. You got to be smarter than that. Uh, his shooting still needs to develop. 
his shooting is solid, but you'd still like to see him take a higher uh, volume and just continue to work on that percentage. Uh, he can have issues scoring in traffic. Another thing that is just limited by the lack of uh, size that he has uh, as far as weight, and he also can have struggle. Uh, he can sometimes just get like bumped while attacking the, the basket, and that sometimes makes it look like a, res- a reckless attack. Because he just doesn't have the strength to really finish through people. Uh, his court vision and his playmaking definitely needs a lot of improvement. Uh, one assist. He just really isn't a good passer much at all. Uh, is a player who uh, is definitely raw. And his basketball IQ can be put into question sometimes. His handle needs to become tighter. It's not very good for a guard. Uh, he needs to improve his ability with his left hand, both as a finisher and as a ball handler. Neither of them are very good with his left hand. And he can sometimes have defensive laps, uh, lapses. He has a bit of a lack of length, which uh, limits his defensive ability. His wingspan, wingspan isn't as long as you'd want it to be. He doesn't get many steals or blocks, and he's one of the older freshmen at 21 years old. I have him as a top 25 to 35 prospect. Uh, I'm fitting well with the 76ers. He would provide some nice shooting off the bench, and he'd be elite in the open court with Ben Simmons. Uh, Just another wing that could shoot the ball for them. And then Pelicans, he would perfectly fit their their high-paced style of play, and then he'd uh, be a nice lob target for Lonzo. Uh, Just another wing player that they could put off the bench, maybe get in the early second round. Uh, And I've compared to Glenn Robinson III, uh, very, very similar players to me, both solid shooters, and then both very, very athletic players. Uh, definitely with Glenn Robinson, because, you know, he won the dunk contest a couple of years ago. I could see him being a Glenn Robinson type of player, maybe a little better. But Glenn Robinson is a solid bench player. He was actually on the 76ers uh, this year, was on the Warriors before, and was playing pretty solid. So, yeah, I like uh, Cassius Stanley. Moving on to uh, Jamius Ramsey. If I'm saying that right, he's a 19-year-old, 6'4", 195-pound guard at Texas Tech. He averaged 15 points, 4 rebounds, and 2.2 assists on 40, uh, 44.2% from the field, 42.6% from three, and 64.1% from the free throw line. Uh, my strengths are that he's a very nice jump shot. He's a great shooter. He can uh, shoot both off the catch and off the dribble. He's great at moving off the ball, good uh, mid-range shooter he can grade his own shot with a variety of moves uh both for a three-point shot and a mid-range so i like to see that he's got a pretty uh solid versatility as a scorer uh he makes the right pass even though he's not a great passer he's a solid individual defender he's a good athlete he's good at getting to the basket he can score in bunches when he gets on fire it's hard to get him to miss just because he's uh such a solid shooter Uh, and then he's good in the open court as well my weakness is he needs to become a better finisher Uh, Doesn't finish well in traffic. Another guy who needs to put on size. A lot of these guys uh, that I've done a scouting report on is I've had that as my weakness for a lot of players. Just because these players, many of them, just need to grow into that NBA body. uh, Need to become stronger. Need to put put on more weight just to be a better finisher in traffic and be a better defender as well. The shooting can sometimes be a bit off and on. uh, Even though for the most part he's consistent. He can be prone to taking some poor shots. Uh, he's one of those players, uh, kind of Marcus Smart-esque, where sometimes Marcus Smart will get on fire and hit like three threes in a row, and then he'll take a boneheaded shot where you're like, come on, you, you just simply can't do that. 
Uh, he's not very good in the pick and roll. He only makes simple reads, even uh, though he makes the right pass. Uh, just nothing stand out as a passer. He's a below average handle for a guard. His handle just gets loose and a bit sloppy way too often. And his left hand uh, needs to improve. A lot of these guys in the draft don't have much of an off hand. He just needs to improve his left hand ball handling. His ball handling as a whole is just very underwhelming. Uh, he can get lost on defense. Sometimes just disappears and you don't even know he's there when you'd uh, like him to be a bit more assertive. Uh, he needs to improve his free throw shooting for sure, 64%. Especially for a player who's such a good three-point shooter, that's very disappointing. Uh, and he's a bit undersized to play the shooting guard at only 6'4", 195 pounds, even though he can definitely uh, make that work. I have him as a top 20 to 30 prospect. Uh, I'm fitting uh, best with the 76ers. I have a lot of guys fitting with the 76ers because there's a lot of guys uh, lower in this draft that would be around their pick range. Uh, that would just be nice shooting for them, and I just think they need all the shooting in the world they can get with uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on their team for sure. And he just brings some valuable uh, shooting and scoring as a six-man for them. Uh, well, maybe not as a six-man immediately, but going into the future, he could be a nice six-man for them. And then the Mavericks, he would perfectly slide into that uh, Tim Hardaway role uh, if he leaves. I assume he'll pick up his player option this year, but if he leaves next year, I think he'd be... Uh, perfect in that Tim Hardaway Jr. role and would maybe take a bit higher percentage shots than Tim Hardaway. And I've compared to Norman Powell and Malik Beasley, uh, both two very, very solid scores. I really like the Norman Powell comparison uh, just because Norman Powell has become a very good uh, three-point shooter, uh, solid mid-range shooter. They both have uh, similar size and they're both solid defenders. So I like the Norman Powell uh, comparison. And I think Norman Powell is a very good player. I think Malik Beasley is a very good player. And I like John Mies Renzi. Moving on to uh, the next scouting report, we got Patrick Williams. He's a 19-year-old, uh, 6'8", 225-pound forward out of Florida State. He averaged 9.2 points, uh, 4 rebounds, and assists on 45.9% for the field, 32% from 3, and 83.8% from the line. Uh, my strengths are that he has a, a good frame, good free throw shooter, uh, solid finisher, uh, very good cutter, good at moving off the ball, uh, very high high IQ when it comes to that, uh, good handle for his size, uh, quick, he has a nice quick first step, can blow by slower defenders, uh, definitely can blow by a lot of those fours that will be guarding him. He's good in the pick and roll, which is a unique uh, ability for a guy at his size, but that good handle definitely helps that. Uh, he's a very smart smart player uh very solid defender he's great at rotating great at protecting the rim on those rotations and then he's a solid scorer off the dribble my weaknesses he needs to work on the his defensive footwork uh can sometimes be a bit slow because his defensive footwork is a bit sloppy he can sometimes cross his feet which you don't like to see he also has a bit of heavy feet his lateral quickness is pretty poor and uh, that can definitely lead to some struggles on defense. That could lead to him getting blown by by quicker players sometimes. Uh, he needs to shoot more and just continue to work as a shooter. Uh, his shooting is was in a very small sample size, and he w wasn't great uh, when he shot. He can struggle to guard out in space just due to those heavy feet and that lack of lateral quickness. His rebounding doesn't stand out. It's just all right. And he played in uh, pretty limited minutes. That's why his stats... Uh, aren't very good uh, his he's one of those guys who you watch and you th is like looks a lot better than the stats but then you look at the stats and they just aren't great just because of those limited minutes 
you, he needs to be less passive on offense because uh, that leads to him disappearing at times. He just needs to be more assertive, uh, really demand the ball more. And then uh, in those limited minutes, he also played in a limited role where he didn't really get to show off uh, that ability to handle the ball in the pick and roll, uh, hand, just handle the ball in general as much as you want him to. But hopefully he'll get that opportunity in the future. I'm as a top 20 to 30 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Timberwolves. They need help at the four. Wancho, Hernan Gomez was their starting four. You definitely don't like to see that. And then come in and help them immediately. I just think he's a perfect fitness to Cat. A really nice defensive four who can do some things off the ball. Doesn't uh, need the ball to uh, excel. And then also would make a really uh, fun 4-5 pick and roll with Cat. I, I would really like to see that. And then the Nuggets, they have... Uh, Two power forwards that are free agents in Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant. And he'd be a perfect uh, cutter and defender for them. Uh, I just love what he would fit with as a Nuggets because he's such a Nuggets player with his ability to move off the ball, with his ability to cut. Very much Michael Porter Jr.-like, where Michael Porter Jr. fits so well with him uh, just because of his ability to move off the ball. And he reminds me of Paul Millsap, who is obviously currently... uh, on the Nuggets, and that's my comparison. I actually really like Patrick Williams. Uh, I think he won't be as good as like Prime Paul Millsap because Prime Paul Millsap was very good. But uh, just like a mini Paul Millsap with his ability to handle the ball, which is pretty solid for a four. Uh, I really like Patrick Williams and think he's going to be a very solid role player in years in, in the league for years to come. I just love that unique ability to handle the ball and work in the pick and roll as a four. I think that could create a lot of mismatches, and I like Patrick Williams. Moving on to the last one of the day, we got Precious Achua. Uh, he's a 20-year-old, 6'9", 225-pound uh, pow- uh, forward out of Memphis. He averaged 15.8 points, 10.8 rebounds, and uh, uh, one assist on 49.3% from the field. 32.5% from three, and 59.9% from the line. Uh, my strengths are, he's great size at 6'9", 225. That's phenomenal size for his age. Uh, he's great length, very athletic, good shot blocker, amazing rebounder, uh, very good at boxing out, and then also has an incredibly high motor, which allows him to beat out a lot of people on those rebounds. He has good lateral quickness for his size, very smart defender, uh, good slasher, uh, can move up. Uh, good at moving off the ball. He can play the small ball five as well, which I really like. He has a good ability to get to the free throw line. His uh, shooting form is solid, even though it still can use some work, and he's decent in the post. Uh, my weaknesses sometimes can take some poor uh, mid-range shots, mid-range contested shots that he just simply isn't very good at. Very, very poor free throw shooter. He's decent at getting to the line, but his effectiveness at the line is just really bad, and he needs to work on that. Uh, to really uh, fulfill his full potential for sure because shooting 60% at the line is just something that's unacceptable. He isn't a very good playmaker. Uh, His shooting ability is incredibly inconsistent. Definitely needs to work on that, become more consistent for sure. Uh, Needs to improve his shot creating. His shot creation ability isn't much. Uh, Not a great ball handler. He can get out of control. He's old for a freshman. Uh, He's... Uh, an older 20 year old he his touch around the basket needs to improve as sometimes he can just miss some easy shots just because his touch isn't very good and he needs to improve his ability with his left hand uh definitely as a finisher i would love to see his uh, ability as a finisher to improve with the left hand and his ball handling as, with his left hand can improve 
And his footwork and balance also need improvement. Sometimes can get uh, off balance and can get a bit out of control on defense due to that. Uh, I have him as a top 20 to 30 prospects. I'm fitting best with the Nets. Uh, they need help at the four going into the future. And he could have eased in, uh, not have much of an immediate role on him. I'd assume he'd be uh, probably in the G League. Uh, and I also have him fitting well with the, with the Mavericks. They have multiple stretch bigs that he could play along and would hide his shooting struggles. And his coaching, uh, their coaching staff has developed uh, many bigs like Dwight Powell, like Maxi Kleber, uh, into being uh, pretty good shooters. So I think they could do that with him as well. Uh, and he could play that small ball five role sometimes. I have him compared to Jeremy Grant, Alfred Camino, and Robert Covington. Uh, all of these players are very solid uh, role players for their team. Uh, I think the Alfred Camino comparison fits the best for now uh, just due to his shooting but if he can become a better shooter I think the Jeremy Grant and Robert Covington role fit him uh, fits him well but I think Precious Achua will be a pretty solid player uh, it just really hinges on that free throw shooting and uh, outside shooting ability for sure but his rebounding his motor uh, his size and athleticism his defensive ability I like all of that uh, kind of similar to Michael Kidd Gilchrist but already a way better shooter than he ever was so i like precious chua and i think it'll be solid well i hope you guys enjoyed the episode uh if you're on youtube leave it a like if you're on uh, any audio platform uh make sure to download even if you just watch them on youtube it'd mean a lot if you still download them on audio platforms uh just running those numbers up helps me a lot uh it can definitely help me in the future try and make this my job which i i definitely want to uh, but I really do appreciate you guys' support a ton. And, yeah, have a good day. Peace out.